Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with my co-host, Helen. Hello, everybody. And if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for joining us. Our podcast every week is all about all the different things that affect us at work week in, week out, whether that's how to improve your gravitas, preparing for your first interview, or going for that promotion uh, that means lots of things to you. Hopefully, you'll have some hints and tips in the hundred or so last episodes that we've recorded. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, we love getting recommendations and ideas for different podcast topics. You can find us on Instagram at AmazingIf. And before we get into this week's topic, we just wanted to let you know some news of something that we have coming up over the next few weeks so Drum that you can... Quiet. Most of you won't have missed because we'll have talked about it over the last year in terms of the process. The fact that we have written a book together, which is now available for pre-order on Amazon and Waterstones. It's called The Squiggly Career. And that's really exciting in itself. Um, and we're still and friends. Hooray! We've written yeah, a book together yeah, we and made we're still it. friends. <laughs> we, we made it through, I think, what is probably simultaneously the most satisfying and difficult thing I think we've ever done together. <laughs> We would love you to pre-order the book. It's really helpful for us if you can commit to getting the book now. But what we do appreciate is that that's not really how the world works and that we're all very used to being able to order a book and get one the next day. So we were trying to think, how can we make sure that you get something in return to say thank you for pre-ordering the book now rather than waiting until January? And so for a couple of weeks, from Monday the 11th of November until the 24th of November, so two weeks... If you pre-order the book through Amazon Waterstones or whatever else you can find to pre-order it and you email us your confirmation to Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com, we will in return send you a link to access our new Squiggly Career Kickstarter online programme for free. It's four videos which covers things like happiness at work, how to discover things you're great at, exploring different career options and thinking about the people who can help you you'll be the first people to see this course no one else has had access to it before it's all recorded all ready to go and you'll get that straight away it's also worth saying you don't actually pay for your pre-ordered book until the book comes out on January the 9th so hopefully you can commit to it now pay for it a bit later but without having any awful interest or anything like that to worry about because I got worried there I sounded a bit like an ad <laughs> buy now pay later um <laughs> and, probably more uh, terms and conditions for that kind of stuff <laughs> probably yeah that's probably true so if you could do that and if the book looks interesting we would be really grateful if you want to find out a bit more about the book 
what we include, what we cover within the book. There is a video that we've done. I say we, clearly someone who's very good at animation has done for us, which is on our YouTube channel. I'm sure you'll see it on Instagram as well soon, which does summarise what the book is about in about one minute ten. So if you're new to this and you're thinking, oh, I don't know, do I really want a full book on Squiggly Careers? Have a watch of that video first and then decide whether it feels like it's something for you. Anything else, Helen? Is that my um, sales done for the week? <laughs> That's your sales done for the week. But the course, actually, because I've um, we recorded it a little while ago, each week for each video, you get like a workbook as well. So it's got loads of exercises and they are, some of them are exclusive exercises, so they're not in the book. And we talk through each one, we demo it live for you. So it's not just as just chatting about work which we do every week on the podcast like this, basically. <laughs> not to undermine that process but it is super actionable you'll be able to print out all the worksheets I think there's almost like three different exercises that will help you practically you know go do, do things differently and maybe take some of those exercises into work and do them with your team as well so hopefully something really helpful for you and so let's get on to this week's topic which is self-esteem Self-esteem is a really interesting phrase, I think, and it's one that I made Helen debate with me for quite a long time before we started the podcast. So I think it is worth just pausing for a moment to describe what we mean and how it's different to things that we perhaps have covered in the past, like confidence, and how it's particularly relevant in kind of our world of work today. So most of us kind of intuitively know what we mean by self-esteem, but essentially it's about describing a person's overall sense of self-worth or your kind of personal value. So how much you kind of appreciate and like yourself. And we found actually a really nice, I think, articulation from Abraham Maslow. So lots of you will be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And he talks about two different forms of esteem. The need for respect from others in the form of recognition, success, admiration, and the need for self-respect in the form of things like self-love, what I think we would often call now self-care, self-confidence. And he makes a distinction that actually respect from others is more fragile and more easily lost than inner self-esteem, which sort of makes sense because actually if you've discovered it for yourself, then you probably need it less from other people. And when we were thinking about what is the difference between confidence and esteem and doing quite a lot of reading about this, debating it quite hard before this podcast we came to the conclusion that we think uh, self-esteem and self-confidence are very clearly linked, but subtly different in a kind of an important way. So really, self-esteem is very internal. It's all about your own perceptions of yourself. So do I approve of myself? Whereas self-confidence tends to be more your belief in your capabilities and whether other people believe in you as well. And there's a really lovely kind of short sentiment that I think describes that correlation between the two really well, which is self-confidence is self-esteem in action. And I think that is probably often how these things show up. So if you've got low self-esteem or if you're kind of struggling or maybe you don't approve of yourself, then actually I suspect that at those moments in your life or those moments in time, it's pretty hard to then appear self-confident in terms of the actions that you're taking in your life. And I'm sure there are times when perhaps you can hide away on one and try and fake it a little bit. And perhaps we'll talk about some of those things. But we do think from the things that we've read and all the resources that we'll include as part of the links to this podcast this week, there is enough of um, everybody kind of agreeing that they definitely are 
different, but you can see it is quite a nuanced argument. It's not that easy to kind of get your head around, I think. It's basically what we discovered in the half an hour before this podcast. <laughs> Sarah normally tries to get me into lots of philosophical discussions about certain things. Which I'm like, resist. no, Sarah, I resist. I'm like, no, what's the action? Let's be really clear and succinct. But this one, I was like, oh, this is really interesting, all these different definitions. <laughs> and we've gone through quite a lot of theories. But yeah, I think it's a lovely, the self-confidence is self-esteem in action. It just feels right because it feels like self-esteem is the internal root and then self-confidence is kind of what you project what you go and do and when we look into why does it matter because you kind of say what's a lovely philosophical discussion Helen Sarah but why does this actually matter because it is so deep self-esteem has fundamental impact on your life and your quality of life so if you look into the research it says that um, high levels of self-esteem can predict everything from academic achievement overall life happiness satisfaction in relationships and even the extent to which you might engage in criminal behavior apparently people with high levels of self-esteem aren't aren't, aren't <laughs> the most that. likely to be criminals so it's good for everyone it sounds like but perhaps you know your likelihood to become a criminal is not our area of expertise so we'll go into how does self-esteem actually play out in your career and we think that people with high levels of self-esteem Actually, it's almost like you've got your your firing up your, your internal compass, your internal career compass. So in squiggly careers where you've got lots of stuff happening all at one time, all these changes happening in the, you know, who we work with and what we're working on and where and when we're working, you've got all of this happening. It can be quite easy, I think, to be led by other people, other people's opinions, other people's decisions, what they think is right and what people say that you should do. And I think if you have a high level of self-esteem, very kind of this internal thing, I think it actually activates your internal career compass so that you can be much more confident in the decisions that you're making and I think it's that action do I stay in this company do I stay in this role do I move it's that confident action that's really the self-esteem driving that whereas I think if you've got low self-esteem with all of that choice and possibility you're more likely to be led by other people's opinions and other people's decisions and thoughts rather than having the belief in your own. Yeah and I was reading an interesting article about particularly how modern work impacts on our self-esteem potentially detrimentally and that some of the ways that work is now set up with squiggly careers perhaps means we need to take this more seriously than we've done in the past or kind of think about this in the context of work more than we've perhaps done. The first area that I thought was interesting and one that I can definitely understand and experience is this drive for productivity. So drive for results, always wanting to be like really efficient, really effective. But what that can do at its worst in terms of self-esteem is leave us with a sense that we feel like we're not doing enough. And that impacts people's feeling of kind of, do I approve of myself? Maybe you don't. You think, well, I don't approve. I feel like I need to work harder, longer, whatever that might be. So the second area is job changes, restructures happening really commonly. And we talked about this in the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Lots of those kind of things are changes that we are out of control of, things that are happening to us. And in terms of our self-esteem, though we try really hard to recommend and advise people not to take it personally, obviously that's really difficult. And if it's happening continuously or certainly more commonly than it has in the past again this might impact our own sense of approval of am I good enough essentially do I feel like I'm good enough at work is this a reflection of the fact that I'm not doing as well as I should be in my career because these things keep happening to me and you could really see how that could be detrimental to people's self-esteem and of course their confidence over time 
And then the third area is the increasing amount of aggression and rudeness at work. Now, this is an interesting one because I think both Helen and I felt that this wasn't something that we'd experienced lots of. I think we've seen it on occasion. It's more that I don't think, you know, in the context of modern work, God, it has modern work, the work that we're in now, like Squiggly Quiz, are they more aggressive and rude than they have been previously? That's the bit that I couldn't really I don't know. Well, maybe, with. I suppose you could argue if people are under lots more pressure, if it's a tougher environment, whether it is tougher or not, I don't know. I don't know whether you could necessarily evidence that. Does that sometimes mean that people are more aggressive? Like I said, I don't think either of us have experienced lots mm. of it. But what the article makes a point of it is if you do, then it does mean that you don't feel valued, which, again, though self-esteem is very internal, I think it's clearly impacted by the people that you spend your time with. And actually what I would say is I have heard lots of examples from people throughout our time at Amazing If of people perhaps with managers who can be aggressive or rude. And actually, if you start to think about it in those kind of practical terms and given your manager has such a big impact on you and your role and we know that 70% of how much kind of you enjoy your job is often determined by the person you're working for, if that person is at times or continuously aggressive and rude, you can imagine how that could really impact somebody's self-esteem. So perhaps I think if you say it in broad terms, Mm. it perhaps feels less relevant if you talk about it more specifically around people and sometimes some of the challenges with some managers, hopefully none of the managers listening to this podcast, (laughs) then perhaps you can understand it a little bit more. So I was looking for a few tests. I was thinking, you know, I, I like. Of course a, you were. Of course, course you were. <laughs> I do quite like it. Well, I always I kind of all like them for the daily career tips on Instagram as well. But I was looking for like, are there any it ways you can? It was about eight a.m. though. It was eight o'clock <laughs> on a Saturday morning, and you sent me three WhatsApps with three tests you'd done. And I was like, right. oh, I don't for context, everybody, I was in a two-hour car journey, and I knew we were going to do this podcast recording, and I thought I should do some research into self-esteem because that's Good the sort of thing that though. I do in on Good car commitment. journeys. And so I found these two different tests for how you measure your self-esteem and I thought oh this will be interesting (laughs) except I'll be really honest so in order to do these tests for myself I had to create an excel spreadsheet so I was in the car this two-hour car journey going from where I live in Buckinghamshire to Nottinghamshire to my friend's birthday party so I was in this car journey trying to create an excel spreadsheet on my mobile phone in order to do these two different tests so really hard to do on your mobile yeah yeah it was really really hard I think it probably would have taken me about five minutes on a laptop but you know an hour later I had the results so anyway I'm, I'm quite deep in these tests everybody about how you measure your self-esteem so there are two different tests and I'm going to put on the website if you go to amazingif.com and go to our podcast I'm going to put the spreadsheets that I've created on there so you don't have to create your own but there oh, are two I'll different just, I'll just tests do it then, then. just do it then Perfect. just do it then they're quite interesting tests so the first one is called the Rosenberg self-esteem scale and it is a 10 question survey that has questions about how you feel about your own worth and your own value basically and you score them from one to four and then there's some interesting trickery that goes on when adding up all your scores and I'm not going to tell you what the trickery is because I think it leads you in how you score but you basically end up with you score these 10 different questions on how you feel about yourself and then you end up with an overall score and the overall score that you get is indicative of your level of self-esteem so I think it basically said that the normal person who has healthy levels of self-esteem has around like 35 which I appreciate is a score that's pretty meaningless until you do the survey but about 35 I came out as 39 so a bit higher than normal which either means so does that, that mean that you're a uh, narcissist maybe <laughs> 
like maybe I that's know. what I thought but honestly some of these questions I, that's I what I, when it. I was reading surely if it goes too far don't you go from self-esteem to like no I was reading that's what happens I know well that's what, what point what's the cut off what, what was, was the number thinking it says like questions like I feel that I have a number of good qualities do you agree with that or strongly agree with that and I kind of go I strongly agree like I'm a nice person and I can like help people I'm not gonna agree I, I like just all these oh, afterwards you are nice <laughs> thanks Sarah uh, and then it says like I take a positive attitude towards myself you know do you strongly agree with that would you agree and I was like I'm really happy I'm all, like I'm not like I'm not, I'm not sad so but I honestly I looked at it and I was like oh my god I think it I've got too much esteem to your point. So I was like a bit worried about that one. Mm. But anyway, have a look at your own, everybody. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on the website. The other one's really interesting as well. The second test is called the letter name task. And the way that this works is, and you look at the letters in the alphabet and you score how much you like each letter, basically on a scale of one to four. One is like, I don't like the letter A. And four is, I really <laughs> like the letter A. <laughs> um, and then you toss up your scores in a certain way. It's very hard to talk to you about what this test is without ruining the outcome Being for a massive you. spoiler. Yeah, so I'm not going to tell you much more other than there is a link between how you score the letters and how much self-esteem you have. That is probably about all I can say without just ruining it for you. But if you want to know a bit more about the letter name task, then go to amazingif.com and I'll try and put the spreadsheets and I will try not to give the spoiler away so that you can work out what that means for you. I'll be really honest, I did it and the scores weren't that meaningful for me. I didn't get the same kind of reaction to that first one that I went where I was like, oh, uh-oh. This one, I was like, okay, that feels a bit like it didn't tell me anything, but maybe it might be inside for you. Apparently, it's been used for like 40 years by psychologists. I know. As... Do you know what? I really struggled with it when I had a look. I have to say, I didn't complete it. I needed your spreadsheet, <laughs> but I did do the spoiler alert. I was really cynical about it. The first one I get, the second one I don't, but I would like some of our listeners to have a go and for it to work because, like you say, it's been around for a long time. So, I would be fascinated to hear if it has been really useful for people. Okay, so have a look at it on the website, like do the exercise, do the scoring of the alphabet and then see what the results are because you can go to the spoiler bit afterwards and then let us know if it was insightful for you. You can just message us on Instagram at amazingif and let us know if you did it. It would be very interesting. So what we thought we'd do today is rather than tell our kind of individual stories about self-esteem, because we thought we've taken up a bit more time talking about loads of measurements and tests. And apparently I've got loads anyway. (laughs) This is really bad. (laughs) Helen's not going to worry about it. Next Um, week's podcast, Narcissism. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe give you that book, The Psychopath Test. Let's see how you get on with that one. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) So what we thought we would do is do five top tips and there are actually some very practical things that you can do for something that can feel I think quite ethereal there are some very straightforward like day-to-day things that we found that we think okay that could be really useful so we thought we'd talk about those and then we'll talk about whether we think that would be something that we've done or whether we think that would be helpful or not so let's go through we've got five of them to go through and then we'll kind of summarize at the end as always So the first top tip is about practice accepting compliments. And I think we all recognise this when somebody gives you a compliment at work, gives you some positive feedback. It's really easy to dismiss it. We're often our own worst critics. We perhaps get a bit embarrassed. I think people are sometimes just not very good at accepting compliments. But I think actually you're really missing an opportunity if you brush this off or don't take the time to really think about what people are sharing with you. Because when people are giving you a compliment, when they 
are sharing something that they think you're good at, that gives you a real insight into how that person is experiencing the value that you add. And so actually, the next time you get a compliment or some positive feedback, think about, oh, that's really interesting. Have I heard that before? Is that the first time that you're hearing it? Is there something that you can learn from that? And what might you want to do more of, perhaps, if you start to kind of notice a bit of a trend of like, oh, actually, people keep saying, I help, I don't know, organise our team days. And every time I do, they've been like the best team days we've done. It'd be really easy there to go like, oh, yeah, like whatever, you know, just helping out. Actually, someone in there is probably giving you some really good insight about you and maybe things that you're doing outside of your day job where they're seeing that you're doing some really great stuff. Helen, how good are you at accepting compliments, do you reckon? I have to work at it, actually, but I try to say thank you. I think an, yeah. a useful thing to do here is to see how this feels different with different people and, and almost like the different compliments. So, for example... You know, you get those compliments and someone will say, oh, I really like your shoes or I really like your bag. And you find yourself kind of going, oh, yeah, I've had it for ages. Or, oh, it, this was, yeah, I got it on sale. And it's almost like you kind of almost dismiss the compliment. And I think there are certain people and certain situations where you're more likely to dismiss it. And that will be different for everybody, but it's worth you sort of cluing into how you respond to different people giving you compliments. So maybe you find it if a senior person goes, oh, Sarah, that was a great presentation. And you go, oh, yeah, well, I had lots of help from the team. And you might think you're being nice rather than sort of owning that compliment. Or maybe it's a peer giving it to you and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to come across as arrogant to my colleague. So you kind of go, oh, thanks, you know, people work with me really hard on it or I had a lot of time for it or whatever. Um, Or in the meeting, it it was a bit easier than I thought it was going to be. You almost dismiss the compliment. So I think I've just tried now to say, thank you, I really appreciate it. So I almost like really thank them for it rather than sort of diminishing the compliment. But I've definitely noticed there are certain situations where I, I almost feel like a need to sort of go, oh yeah, thanks, you know, it wasn't just me, that kind of a compliment. And there's certain people yeah. that trigger that from me more than others. I think it's feeling like you have to explain mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, you over-explain. What I do find though, and I think this is important, is I think I'm generally okay accepting compliments like you. I think I say thank you and, and actually really appreciate somebody taking the time to do that. If somebody is giving me a compliment on something that I've had to work very hard at, or perhaps it's something that I'm not naturally as good at and have got a lot better, and that's often where I feel most conscious of doing some explaining so that people realise, oh, actually, it isn't something that comes naturally to me. Like presenting or something like that, like as an introvert. Yeah, or like probably less presenting because I think I actually quite enjoy presenting, even though I'm introverted, I actually quite enjoy it. I was thinking when you said, I've heard you sometimes say like networking, when people say, oh, you're such a good networker and you're like, you really explain to people about, thank you, this is something that I've worked at. Yeah, I think that's probably the best example, actually, by some margin for me, where I now quite regularly get described as somebody with like a brilliant network, a really valuable network, somebody who's built all these brilliant relationships. And it always makes me smile. And I think, oh, that's really nice because it does demonstrate just how far I've come. But if somebody is ever talking to me directly, I will open up the lid on that a little bit because Mm. I just don't want people to feel like that has just happened. And I think that's okay. But I think the point here is when people do give you compliments, give you positive feedback, accept it, remember them. If you feel like you really struggle with this, I would write them down. I saw a few articles suggesting that, that if you're listening to this one and thinking, I can't remember any compliments people have given me this year because I just brushed them away because people will have given everyone compliments this year. Maybe the next time someone gives you some kind of positive affirmation or feedback, just think, oh, I'm actually just going to write that down somewhere. Keep them all in your back of your notebook or keep them all in your phone. And then just kind of watching them 
tot up, I guess, can be quite a useful way to just keep reminding yourself of lots of good stuff. I feel like we should do a little post on Instagram where people can share what's the best work compliment they've had, but like in a really proud way so that we can actually support self-esteem a little bit. In like a confident way. Yeah, in a confident way. Yeah, that'd be a nice thing. Okay, maybe we'll we'll do that when this podcast comes out next week. Um, So our second tip for building your self-esteem is to be your own best friend. The reason we've said that is because if you were giving somebody else advice or you might be thinking, how would somebody else deal with this situation or how would I advise them to deal with it? Sometimes that psychological distance, that space, removing yourself from it can help you to be a bit more objective about it. So I might say, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling great about myself in this situation. But if this was my friend, how would they do that? Or how would I support my friend in this situation? So let's make this really real. I might say, oh gosh, I'm speaking at an event next week and I'm not really confident that I'm the expert here. I don't know if my opinion is as worthy as the other people on this panel. What I could do to sort of help myself through that moment and build my self-esteem is to say, okay, so how would Sarah help me in this moment? If Sarah was giving me advice, what would she do? Or how would I help Sarah in this moment? And what I might talk to Sarah about is, you know, when have you done this before? How do you want to come across? What's the impression you want to create? And get Sarah to talk about that sort of thing. And that might help me to have a bit more objectivity. The principle is psychological distance. And it's just that when you're in the moment, it can be very difficult. I think when fear and ego and pressure are all coming into the mix that could be quite effective for your self-esteem just like Sarah was talking about all those pressures at modern work but it can all come to a bit of a force when you're in the moment and so having to think about how might you help somebody else or how might they help you just creates a little bit of a pause between the situation and your reaction. And I do wonder if there is a combination tip in one and two. Mm. So if you think about practicing accepting compliments and being your own best friend, surely there is a tip where you go talk to your best friend and then actually listen to what they say. (laughs) Because I do think often I can imagine this from both my own experience and from other people is sometimes I think when you're struggling with your self-esteem, people do go and talk to their family or to their best friends, but often they don't then listen to all of the compliments or the kind of positive statements they're getting. And I think being your own best friend, but also recognising the value of the people around you. But if you're going to do that, I think you have got to accept what they're telling you as the truth. When you're struggling with self-esteem, it's really easy to say, oh, well, Helen's only saying that because she'd be supportive, whatever. Or my boyfriend's only saying that because he sort of loves me. So it's probably not true. And actually, I I hear a lot of people doing that. I've given people really positive feedback before where I can see that. I can see that they they kind of either don't believe me and so then they're not really listening because they're thinking, oh, she's just doing this because she's sort of trying to be nice versus going... Because it's actually just genuinely what I think. And I, and actually, I wouldn't say it otherwise. But maybe it's um, as well as practice accepting compliments. Maybe it's also about practice asking for compliments. So if I was to say to Sarah, oh, I'm yeah. on this panel next week. When have you seen me at my best on a stage before? That's sort of me asking for a compliment from Sarah. And she might say, oh, I thought it was really good when you were in that meeting and you told that story. And then I might go, oh, OK, there has been a situation here where I did this well and I showed up in the way that I wanted to. So maybe it's the asking for and being able to accept them that makes the biggest difference. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So number three, which I really liked because I'm not a fan, actually, generally, which might be controversial, of the kind of trend around positive statements and affirmations that are really general. So, you know, where you're meant to write down something every day or once a week where it's like, I will succeed. I am the best I'm going to be or whatever those things are probably said with a less cynical, <laughs> cynical. tone than <laughs> I've just said or I'm going to be a great success was one that I read today Still cynical. and I just think they feel so general I'm surprised actually sometimes that people find them useful and despite being cynical I would actually be really interested so if people do do them in this way I would actually be really interested to know if people do find them helpful because I, I struggle to see how I would then use that to then prompt any action kind of at work next week I'd be like I'm going to be a success just need to answer some emails tomorrow morning (laughs) you know I I think I would there'd be a bit of a disconnect for me and in this really good article that actually is on the TED website that we'll put in the resources they talk about the difference between making these general versus specific and how much more helpful being specific can be and also you get into then not only what is specific, but what is also realistic, which is what I really liked. So rather than saying, I'm going to be a great success, you'd actually say, I'm going to persevere until I succeed. I think they're really different statements. I think they're really different ways of talking about what it is that you are trying to do. And they are both really positive, but I feel the second is one that you can take much more ownership for and also less just hoping it's all going to be okay in that first one. But I was trying to think in the context of us and writing our book, as we were talking about at the start of the podcast, and I was thinking it's probably the difference between us saying, oh, our book is going to be a brilliant business bestseller. That will be like a really just general positive affirmation. And don't get me wrong, I really hope that's true. I say that with a lot of a less cynical tone because I want that to be true. (laughs) Versus if you were going to make that more specific... My attempt to do that when I was thinking, what would I actually write? I'd probably put something like, together, we're going to work really hard and explore every opportunity to make our book a business bestseller. And again, to me, that feels really different. And I think in terms of my own self-esteem, that first one, I think I could be quite wedded to something where 
maybe I just imagine it's going to happen or I might work hard and it might not happen. I think I'd probably feel more disappointed. I think with that second statement, if I think together we did everything that we could do and let's say the book isn't a business bestseller. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen, but just in case. I think if I felt that we had both in everything we could do, I think I would still feel that had been a success and I don't think it would impact my self-esteem in the same way as if I just done a general statement. What do you think? I think that positive affirmations are really powerful and I think they're also really, really personal. So I can completely get why you would want the actionable focus in it because I think that's very you to have it. And I also think that it's supported by the TED Talk. I think some people do quite like the more generic yeah, ones. Yeah, def- they definitely do. And they're sort of inspiring for them. I was thinking about statements like, be the change you want to see. And I was trying to work out, I know that quite a few people have mm-hmm. that as a positive affirmation. I was like, would Sarah say that one's too generic? And to be honest, it's a sort of a bit of a moot point because I think it's positive affirmations said regularly and if you believe in them, that's all that really matters. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you can't take Sarah's and make it work for you. You've got to make it really personal and something that's really meaningful. And I think they can also change over time. But I think it's if you can connect to it with emotion, whatever that thing is, I think positive affirmations can be really helpful. And I guess it sort of doesn't matter how you do it, as long as in this context, what we're talking about today, it supports your self-esteem. Yes. That's got to be the point. You might like the specific ones or the kind of more general ones or kind of the bigger meaning ones. But if actually they're not, supporting your self-esteem then you're probably not doing it in quite the right way for you what I think I've recognized by researching this thinking about this is those big statements wouldn't help my self-esteem and so actually there's a different way that I find much more useful so I think it's just connect to the ones that you feel will support your self-esteem either continuing to be where it is today or growing it making it more consistent if you feel like maybe it gets a bit wobbly at times and if you want to look into that a little bit at all it is a little bit spiritual but there's a lady called gabrielle bernstein who has lots of books around like positive affirmations and positive psychology and all that kind of stuff so if you're thinking i don't even know where to start with these affirmation things i mean she's got a whole (laughs) book of like 52 one for each week that might be worth a look at i've had a look at it before but yeah so it might just be a starting point but i think the more you can personalize it the better So our fourth tip then is all about comparison and how risky comparison can be to your self-esteem. So if you're spending a lot of time looking at other people and judging yourself and evaluating yourself against them, that can be quite dangerous because you might think, oh, I'm I'm not as good as them. I'm not intelligent enough or I'm not as far in my career as they are or I should be doing what they're doing in my career. And and really squiggly mm. careers are not great for comparison. I think, you know, we I think this is my worst one though. What do you think you I do think this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes Definitely. Sad. I think this is my I think I need to unfollow some people on Instagram basically. Well, I think that's a really <laughs> that's good tip I, for people. Like if they I think that's I think really... I do, I've seen loads of people talking about it now like you should Gina Martin did who I do really like. She makes me feel really good about myself because she's so good. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near as good as she is, but I like the fact that she's as good as she is. And she did a really good post about why you should unfollow like 10 accounts and why it's so good for you to do that. And I think for me, particularly Instagram at its best, I love, I think Instagram for us has been an incredibly supportive community. It's one of the best things we've done. I think following some people on Instagram has not been very good for my self-esteem. Oh, that makes me sad. We should talk I about know. that more. Maybe not on the podcast yeah. live. <laughs> really. We do talk about a lot of them. About it and try to be really oh. honest. And I was like, oh, okay. 
I find it because I'm competitive, which I don't mm. think is sometimes helpful in terms of comparison. I think I sometimes just look at the people and think, oh, like they're traveling around the world. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Mm. Or, oh, they're doing this amazing thing. And I think, oh, maybe we should spend more time on that. And it doesn't help drive useful action. Mm. It just makes me realize all the things that I'm not versus the things that I am. I don't, I don't think I have You're that not, thing. You don't do this. No, no I, you don't. I don't think I do. I don't, I definitely admire other people, but then I don't then go, oh, they've got that and I've not got it or I want to be doing, No, I, I might aspire, but it doesn't affect my self-confidence. I was trying to think about at work as well. Does it happen at work? Do you compare yourself to other people or have you in the, your career? Yeah, you might might really, so you would look at other people who yeah. are what, age or level or whatever in a job and thinking, yeah. why aren't I doing that? Yeah, of course. For me, it would be dishonest to not mm. say that that's something that's definitely impacted me. And I think I had a career, certainly in the first part of my corporate career, that, if anything, encouraged this. I was part of graduate schemes and cohorts of people. Our degree that we did together actively encouraged competition and comparison. And I think sometimes that can be potentially useful I guess in terms of like driving those kind of things for me definitely less so as I've got older and I think as you start to reframe your career about going there's like that good phrase where people sort of say it's like it's not a sprint essentially Mm. and you have got to like enjoy it along the way and I think I did have quite a big turning point maybe like seven or eight years into my career perhaps even a little bit longer where I suddenly thought oh yeah it's fine there's like room for everyone there are lots of really great people Everyone needs to sort of go their own way and get to wherever they want to get to. And it's not about a set of us all competing for like a certain amount of jobs and stuff. And I think probably my own self-esteem was better by that point. But also you probably have a slightly longer term perspective, I think. So I think I'm loads better now in terms of work. But I think of it in a work capacity. It's work stuff on Instagram that I'm comparing myself to. It's not like you don't need to worry I'm not looking at like Beyonce and thinking oh god if only I could dance like like Beyonce (laughs) or and the ones that are super ridiculous like the mum ones where there's some mum who looks incredibly amazing with some perfect toddler I mean I don't look at those and think oh I wish that was my life um I actually just find those funny it's always work stuff but I think Instagram has introduced into my life a new level of work comparison. I yeah. think I probably don't do the the self-reflect. I, so I look at those people and I think I probably would have in like work sense, so at Microsoft, at Virgin, I might have looked at people. But then I think rather than taking that on myself in a way that affects my esteem and going, why haven't I got that? I kind of go, okay, what did it take to get that? And you know how I get like under the bonnet? Like if I'm like, oh, how, how do we fix this yeah. website? I think I then do that and I almost go, okay, so these are the moves and how do I model that? And like, you a, do do that. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. seen you do that in action. <laughs> I think that's probably, I, I, rather than kind of go, oh no, I haven't got that. I kind of go, right, let's have an action plan for these steps that you've taken and how can I do this? And yeah, I think that's probably the, the maybe, yeah, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but that's probably why I don't, I think it's healthier in terms of you are less reliant on other people to impact your self-esteem what you're essentially going is I'm gonna I'm gonna try and figure this out for myself Mm. and and not let other people's success or other people's progression or all those kind of things I'm not going to tie that to my self-esteem which is essentially what you're trying to do here I think is going well do I approve of myself and where I am am I where I want to be versus going do I approve of myself versus others 
that's quite an important distinction. Well, I think your action from today's podcast should be to unfollow whatever is making you feel that... Uh, <laughs> that okay. that's actually done. I did actually think that today, so I will do it. Good, good. Um, and then the final tip is to recognise that self-esteem is fragile. And I do think, of course, it will change day to day, week to week, month to month. But there is quite a useful tool that um, I've seen recommended actually in quite a few different places when we've been researching this, which is whenever you feel a kind of dip in your self-esteem or perhaps something that has has happened that does impact your self-esteem and you can feel that there's a kind of a change, there's a really nice idea where you can build your resilience by writing down the evidence of all the things that you are really good at or perhaps all of the things that are kind of the opposite of what is making your um, self-esteem fragile. So let's say, for example, you had gone for a job that you really wanted and you didn't get it. You might go, of course, you're allowed to have a bad day. Of course, you're allowed to have be disappointed. But to not let it impact your self-esteem more kind of seriously is to actually go write down three things that you would have been really good at in that job. You might not have been the right person for that job at that particular moment. But what were three reasons why you would have been good at it? What could you have brought to that role? And I think that could be a really just helpful, small thing to do to just remind yourself that you do approve of yourself. I think it links into kind of having confidence in terms of the action, as we talked about at the start. And I actually was thinking back to a few times, like specific moments you do have where your self-esteem does take a bit of a dip. I can just see how just reminding yourself of the contrary evidence just helps to build your like remembering your resilience essentially remembering your good stuff very true very true and i think again it's quite a nice like reflective exercise to do there's a really nice um, book called the artist way which talks about morning pages which is like this daily act of writing and it's that's the sort of thing that you can do just like of a day thinking about what are the ways that i'm going to add value in this day it's that sort of thing that could just over time the more that you do it the more you can start to think about all the positively impactful things that you do the worth that you have for yourself rather than maybe reflect on the negative and on that point actually because i think something that's counter to it is this another thing called automatic negative thoughts it sometimes gets called ants and these are the things that almost get in the way of that positive regard so they like I'm not good enough I never know enough all the things that's like over time automatic negative thoughts erode your self-confidence I've done a career tip on that so on Instagram we do these daily career tips and I've done one on automatic negative thoughts so I'll post that in the resources for you but I think this act of what Sarah's saying about you know writing down you know the value that you have the positive impact that you have that is one way that you can really start to combat particularly if you're a bit sensitive to these automatic negative thoughts that might just be popping up in your day so shall I just summarize the five top tips Sarah and then we could talk a little bit about some of the resources that will guide you <laughs> yeah if you can remember them okay all right I will do it I will do it so the first one is to practice accepting compliments And then we had a little discussion about maybe it's not just about accepting compliments, it's also about inviting them. So asking people perhaps when they have seen you at your best. And that was part of our second point, which is about being your own best friend. Think about how you would get support from somebody else or how you would support them so you're not so self-critical. The third thing we talked about was about using positive affirmations and perhaps being as specific as possible. But the most important thing was to make it personal and useful for you. The fourth thing we talked about was comparison, that actually comparison is not helpful for our self-esteem and to make sure that you're spending time with people who help to build your self-esteem and not erode it. 
particularly if that's on social media, maybe have a bit of a call of people that might not be helping. And the last thing was all about recognising that self-esteem is quite fragile, but one of the ways that you can sort of build your muscle, build your self-esteem over time, is by writing things down, writing things down where you add value and where you think you have worth um, and start to really stop automatic negative thoughts from eroding your self-esteem. So that's it for this week. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen. I know lots of you come back week after week, which we really appreciate. Please do continue to rate, review and subscribe. It makes a massive difference to us. Um, we're on 167 reviews. Um, so perhaps we'll try and get to 200 before the end of the year. <gasps> That'd be amazing. It's around round arbitrary number but I like the idea of it <laughs> and my um, favourite recent review is somebody titled their review which they put on iTunes as who needs coffee when you have squiggly careers <laughs> which, which really Can made me laugh both? but I'd also like I was both. thinking my answer to that is that uh, we both do um, in terms of needing coffee and next week's podcast is one of our special guest ones where I'll be interviewing an associate professor called Jennifer Perilieri and she has written a book called Couples That Work it is an absolutely fascinating interview. I really enjoyed talking to her. She talks about this thing called dual career couples and how that's the reality for most of us now, that most of us are working in careers that we care about and how that impacts, I guess, how we work together, how we make our lives work successfully and the different significant transitions that we all go through as couples. Her research is really substantial. I think it was like five or six years following loads of different sorts of couples so I think this will be relevant to pretty much everybody listening and even if not now I'm sure it kind of will be in the future also she's a real pro she's really good to listen to she's excellent like summarizing her research very action orientated you'd have loved her Helen you'd been proud um and she finishes off by talking about this idea of couple contracting oh I love Um, the idea of this Mm, I can imagine and um, I think I even talk about how much you would have loved it to be honest I think at some points I actually say oh I feel like you're doing this because Helen's paid you to say some of these things and she talks about how important it is to talk about your values with your partners and things like boundaries and fears so I think you're going to listen to it and be really smug Um, and I interviewed her and thought I need to go home and do some actions which I am still working up to um but it's a really good listen actually it's a really accessible and interesting read you might have seen some of her stuff if you don't follow her on linkedin she publishes lots of her things done some really good interviews and stuff online but that'll be hopefully a really good podcast so look forward to speaking to you again then but in the meantime thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you again soon bye for now bye everyone Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.